questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. In the wee hours of the morning during the winter of 1971, Steve Boucher and his band, Harmony Grove, were heading home after performing at a house party in Vineland, Ontario. The van they were traveling in encountered an obstacle in the form of a large, brightly lit, saucer-shaped object resting on the road ahead of them. As they stared in wonder, they had no idea that it wouldn't be long before they would meet the occupants. Recently, after many decades of silence, Steve Boucher finally decided to go public in 2016. He now reveals his amazing story of multiple encounters with what he believes to be extraterrestrial beings, commonly referred to as the Greys. He described the thorough investigation of his case by renowned UFO researcher Bud Hopkins, then subsequently by the Canadian UFO Research Network, Kuforn. He will discuss the transcripts of several regressive hypnosis sessions he underwent during the investigation of his case and describes his struggle to integrate the recovered memories of the experiences into his perception of reality and how it forever changed his life. He will explain how the experiences altered his spiritual beliefs and led him on an explorative journey into religion, Gnosticism, reincarnation, interdimensional portals, quantum mechanics, the simulated holographic universe hypothesis, multidimensional realities, mysticism, spirituality, and eventually consciousness itself. You are listening to Veritas. If this is your first time, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, join the Veritas family and click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy, MMS, CBD pure hemp oil, Divinia water, pure organic sulfur, flash drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas seasons, and other great products. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. And click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. And now, here's your host, Mel Hostelrick. Steve Boucher is an AutoCAD draftsman who lives in St. Catharines, Ontario. He is also a musician, singer, and fine artist. Steve has had experiences with non-terrestrial beings since he was a baby. The bulk of his experiences were buried in his subconscious mind for many years until he began to have brief flashes of conscious memory after reading Bud Hopkins' book, Missing Time. To protect his identity at the time, he used a pseudonym of Jack T. However, he has decided that now is the time to reveal his identity to the public because he feels that the story needs to be told. Steve has remembered many more details and more experiences have surfaced since the initial investigation took place. Steve has written his real-life story in a book titled Beyond the Extraterrestrial Firewall, an experiencer's point of view, which you can obtain at Amazon.com or on his website, experiencer.ca. And directly from St. Catharines, Ontario, Canada, I would like to welcome Steve Boucher. Hello, Steve, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. 
Well, Steve, I want to deliver to every minute of this interview, and this is an incredible story, and as Grant Cameron says, this is one of the weirdest UFO stories we've ever heard, and I agree. So let's begin in chronological order. Okay, well, uh, my first experience uh, with these beings uh, was uh, what I call the pre-birth memories, and it was uh, some memories that I have of uh, before I was born, and uh, my connection with the beings began then. And uh, it took a while for this memory to come out. It, uh, that's the first one in the chronological order, but it, it took quite a while for me to remember that one. And how I remembered it was I was on my lunch one day. Um, I was working at a hardware store in between drafting jobs, and uh, I was reading a copy of the Nag Hammadi Library. And um, I came upon a, uh, a story in there about uh, a high place. And uh, uh, I wish I could find the story again. It's a big, thick book, so it's kind of hard to track it down. But uh, they were talking about a high place where Earth was visible from this high place. And um, when I started reading this, all of a sudden it was like a door burst open in my mind and the memories just started coming like, like crazy. And um, what I remembered was uh, I remembered being on the edge of uh, what seemed like a crater. And I believe it was on the moon because of the close proximity to Earth. And I could see the earth uh, out there hanging in space like a big beach ball. And there was a being standing next to me, a, a gray being with uh, uh, the large head and uh, very big uh, black eyes. And uh, they kind of curved up around the side of his head a little bit. And I viewed myself as a small child, but a human child or a human looking child. And uh, we were both looking out at, at the earth. And um, this being, I knew him uh, fairly well. And I had a great respect for him. Like uh, he was kind of like an officer of some sort. Like, and I had the kind of respect that you would have uh, of a police officer or a uh, perhaps a, a soldier of high rank. And, um, but I knew him well, like I'd known him for a long time. And I believe his name was Rigel. So that's what I call him. And uh, uh, he was telling me that I had to go down to earth. And I didn't want to go. I was uh, uh, frightened of the idea. And he said, why don't you want to go down to earth? He said, you have to go. The, uh, the council has decreed it. You, it's your time to go down to earth. And I said, well, I really don't want to go down there. And he said, why? And I said, because I've heard so many horrible things about that place. And uh, he said, well, you have to go. And he said, but there is a, a person that came back, that just came back from a life on earth. And maybe if you talk to him, he might be able to alleviate your fears of, of it. And he said, would you be interested in doing that? And I said, yeah, okay, I'll talk to him. 
And almost immediately, I found myself in this small room uh, that was unfurnished. It was uh, very dimly lit. And there was no, uh, no windows and only one chair in the middle of the floor. And this, there was a guy sitting in this chair. And he was kind of hunched over. I was looking at his left side uh, when I came in. And he looked very depressed. And I walked up to him and I said, uh, I understand that you just came back from a life on earth. And he said, yeah. And uh, I said, well, what was it like? And I said, was it good or was it bad? And he said, well, it's hard to explain. He said, it, it's both. He said, in some ways it's good. In other ways, it's bad. And I said, well, is it, <clears throat> excuse me, is it more bad than good or is it more good than bad? And he said, well, I'm really not the best person to ask. And I said, well, if you had to go back there again, would you go? And he said, well, that's the problem. He says, I, I have to go back. And I said, why? And he said, because I didn't complete my mission. And then all of a sudden I understood this dark feeling that was surrounding this guy, that he had ended his life before the uh, proper time. He, suicide. Yeah, he committed suicide. And that frightened me, and I backed away from him. And as soon as I backed away, I was back on the edge of this uh, crater with uh, Rigel standing next to me. And he said, did you talk to him? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, did he alleviate your fears at all? And I said, no. He, you know, in fact, he, he made, made me more afraid to go. And uh, before I forget, I just want to mention that this high place, um, when I got this memory, when it came back to me, I thought of the high place in, mentioned in the Bible that Jesus uh, the devil took Jesus up to this high place and showed him all the kingdoms of the earth and uh, said, if you do an act of worship to me, I'll give you all this. And um, I believe that high place was may have been the same place because it's a perfect vantage point to view all the kingdoms of the earth because, you know, the the moon stays tidal locked with earth, but earth is turning. So you could stand in that spot and uh, effectively see the entire earth turned if you, if you stayed there long enough. So you would in fact see all the kingdoms of the earth. And that's what crossed my mind when I uh, thought of this place. So anyway, uh, uh, I was arguing with uh, with this being i didn't want to go down to earth and he's i said what happens if i refuse to go and he said well if you refuse to go he says believe me there's a lot worse places they could send you than earth and when he said that i felt like my free will was being violated i felt like i had to go down there there was no way out of it and uh if I refused, um, 
they could send me someplace a lot worse. So I took it as a personal threat. And um, it, it was very upsetting to me. But anyway, as our conversation continued, I, uh, um, he basically made me feel like I, I had to go. There was no way out of it. And so I said to him, if I go down to Earth, will you come and check on me every now and then and make sure I'm okay? And he said, well, we don't usually do that, but yes, I will do that. And uh, uh, at that point, I realized that what I was doing was uh, I actually made like a soul contract with him where it was conditional that uh, if I would go to Earth, he would come and visit me and check on me to make sure I was okay. And uh, so... Uh, I agreed to go under duress. It wasn't a voluntary decision. Like a lot of people say, uh, when you come to Earth, you volunteered to come here. But that wasn't the case with me. I felt like I had a family somewhere out there, and I was taken from it and put on this mission to go to Earth, and I didn't want to go. But anyway, I ended up coming, uh, and... Before he said, before you go down there, he said, there's something that uh, I can tell you that will help you. And uh, he said, if when you go down there, he said, if you find people that carry the teachings of a man named Jesus and you learn those teachings, when you come back here, you'll go to a place far better and more beautiful than you could ever imagine. And so I said to him, okay, I'll find this Jesus. And he said, no, you won't find him because he's not there anymore. But if you find the people that carry his teachings, when you come back here, you'll go to a place far more beautiful than you could ever imagine. And so uh, I told him I'd find these people. And he said, well, I hope you do. But he said, uh, uh, the chances are not very good. And I said, why? And he said, because you're probably not going to remember any of this. And I said, I will remember. And I insisted, I will remember. And he said, well, I hope you're right. And after that, I was, uh, I took the plunge, so to speak, and uh, uh, came to earth. And it's funny that throughout my life, uh, I was born into a Christian family, and I, I followed Christianity for a number of years, but I found that it just didn't seem to fit with me, because uh, I guess maybe because I was a scientist at heart, you know, I, I had an interest in science, and I, uh, I wasn't, um, I did have spiritual beliefs, but uh, um, I don't necessarily think that when he said, find the people that carry the teachings of Jesus, he didn't necessarily mean Christianity. Because I found uh, in the Nag Hammadi Library, and uh, I've read a lot of uh, books uh, that aren't part of the canon of Scripture, like the Book of Enoch and uh, uh, the Old Testament Pseudepigrapha, Volumes 1 and 2, and I like to read uh, uh, other uh, ancient texts that deal with uh, 
with that uh, biblical period of time and before. And uh, so anyway, um, a friend of mine who was a Christian, she said, well, if he told you that you, if you find these people, when you go back to, uh, to wherever it was, uh, that you'll go to a place far better than anything you could ever imagine, she said, then why did you ever leave Christianity? And I said, well, because uh, personally, I don't think that they expected me to get this far. You know, maybe they their intention was to just get me far enough to be uh, in a religion with some spiritual beliefs, but I actually uh, grew out of it. And my once I left the church, my spiritual life blossomed tremendously. I just uh, I started to learn about um, unity consciousness and uh, uh, how we're all everything is connected and we're all one in the one that is all. And I started to learn all that stuff, and I found out that my my spiritual beliefs uh, were actually being held back by being in in a religion, and so. Once I broke free of that, my spiritual life has developed tremendously since then. When you took the plunge, so to say, and you were talking to Rigel, in what form were you? Spiritual? A bowl of light? Physical? How? Well, uh, I viewed myself as a small human child, and I felt like like I was uh, in the life of a, a small human child. And what I, uh, it took me many years to figure this out, but I have a theory that I believe that he took me from some other place. I don't know where, like it was probably another planet somewhere that was inhabited with human beings. And I was a a small child and uh, he took me from there. He abducted me and brought me in and sent me to earth. Oh, so you were not born through your mom, through, through your mother's, like a natural birth? I was. I was born uh, a natural birth through my mother. But my soul, I believe, came from somewhere else. I see. I see. So what happened then? Well, uh, the next experience that I recalled happening was when I was about two years old. And uh, I had this little metal cart. It, I wasn't able to ride a bicycle but or a tricycle, but I had this little metal cart that had a tray on the front of it, and it had a seat in it, and it had wheels on the bottom. And I could kind of pedal myself along the ground on, in this little cart, sort of like Fred Flintstone style. You know? And uh, uh, so my mother, we lived in an apartment in the back of a house that was near a honey house. And people used to come to this honey house to buy honey and that. And uh, I was outside playing one time in, in my little cart. And my mother had told me to stay where she could see me from the back door. And I heard a voice calling me. And I looked around. I couldn't see anybody. And I said, where are you? And they said, over here behind the bushes. And the voice said, look over at the, at the bushes and the trees. And I looked over there. 
Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.